back here in the network, but uh, you know how that goes. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, it's just good to be able to be here this with you this morning. You know, I have the, the privilege and I always am reminded that uh, anytime that a pastor invites us to come and share, you know, they are uh, turning over their, uh, their platform, their pulpit to a guest. And I want to be sensitive to what God is saying. Uh, so as I prepared for this week and was praying and thinking about, you know, the, what God would say to us, I was reminded that today the Assemblies of God is National Campus Awareness Day. And for those of you that don't know, on Wednesday, all around our country, is See You at the Pole, which uh, historically has been something where students had ga- has, have gathered at flagpoles all around our country, and they have united in prayer for their campus, their community, their administration, and really our government as a whole. If there's ever a day in an age which we need to pray for our campuses, it's today. And you may say, well, John, our campuses are virtual right now. We can all use prayer in our home, right? (laughs) But at the end of the day, I think when we link our arms in prayer, and when we think about the fact that our campus is not just something that right now sits vacant, but we can believe that our campus is something and is some place where students and teachers and families can be touched with the message of Jesus, I think it makes all the difference in how we approach community ministry. You know, I was reminded as I walked in this morning that it was probably 20, a little over 20 years ago that Denise and I came here as the, one of the first Youth Alive campus missionaries in our country. And we asked the church, some of you don't even know this probably, we asked the church to invest in a ministry that was brand new in the Assemblies of God. Your church was very strategic in being able to do that. And I realize this today that there are some of you that understand that, but we would have no idea that God would lead us into campuses all across our network, that we would be able to walk into public schools and challenge students with a message of hope, that we would be able to open up the auditoriums in the evening, invite students to come and establish a relationship with Jesus And thousands, literally thousands of students have come to a saving knowledge of Christ because your church was one that in the very beginning made a commitment to say, you know what, we're going to support campus ministry. I think you need to give yourself a hand this morning. That ministry still goes on today and your church is a part of that. So I want to say on behalf of Youth Alive, thank you. Because I know this, I know that we will get to a day where our campuses will be back open. And I think if there's ever a day that we can offer people a message of hope, it's today. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you uh, what I titled this message today, It's Not What I Imagined. Now, I'm thinking back to December the 31st, 2019. Think with me. We're all gathered perhaps somewhere with friends, with family, and we're looking at 2020 and we're thinking, this is going to be a great year, right? This is going to be a great year of vision. We're excited. Night, you know, 2019 is gone and we're starting 2020 and we're all excited about it. But I think most of us in the room can say, this is not what I imagined, <laughs> We didn't think on New Year's Eve that 2020 would look the way it does. 
Now, I'm thinking about New Year's Eve of 2020 this year, and I'm thinking, what are we going to be doing on New Year's Eve this year? Saying, thank God it's over, right? We're, we perhaps may be hoping that. But I want to encourage you this morning with some thoughts that may challenge you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says this, So we fix our eyes on what is seen, or not what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think that we have faced a year where we didn't realize that we would be dealing with a pandemic. We would be dealing with events canceled, that we would be dealing with Ryder coming home from school in March and eating us out of house and home earlier than we expected. We didn't really envision, right, that we would be wearing face masks during service and everywhere that we went. We didn't envision sporting events being canceled or virtual school, or if you're like me, Zoom fatigue. I'm just Zoomed out. Or the racial injustice that our country faces. We didn't really think about all of those things. And I don't know about you, but I can say this morning that I've had enough. I think if we were honest with ourselves we would understand that it's funny how it's so easy sometimes for each one of us to lose perspective. I think about this, perspective really is about a point of view. In fact, it's really easy for me to lose perspective when I walk down the chip aisle in the grocery store. I literally walked into the market the other day and I went in with the idea that I was gonna run in and run out. I had a little grocery list of things I had to pick up, and it was deodorant, toothpaste, body wash. I'm just running in and running out. So I walk in the door, and some of you probably can relate. I walk in the door, I get the shopping cart, I've got my little list, I've got several errands I'm gonna do, and I, I walk in thinking I'm just gonna grab a few things, these few little things real quick and slip out. So I start down through the market only to find myself stopped at the chip aisle. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I love chips, okay? I love barbecue chips. I love plain chips. I love uh, Pirate's Booty. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's priceless. Try it. Ch Chickaboom Pop. I don't know if you like that, but it's amazing. I'm just, I want to enlighten you. Late July jalapeno chips. Just telling you, you know, I mean, I like chips. And so I'm walking down the chip aisle and I, I stop there and I'm thinking, well, those look good. And well, I need these barbecue chips and maybe I need these. And, you know, Denise likes this. And so, so literally I'm putting chips in the shopping cart and I'm up to like four or five bags. I happen to glance over and there's this man standing there beside me. And, and, and he's looking at me as I'm putting all of these chips in this shopping cart, face mask on, nasty look on his face. And I wanted to look back at him and go, don't judge me. You know, I like chips, just flat out don't judge me. But in that moment, I thought, you know what, let me just put this one bag back. <laughs> Because I was feeling uncomfortable. I'm like, am I being, you know, this is awkward. So, so I'm sitting there, and, and so I'm thinking, you know, I need chips for me. I need chips for the kids. I need chip, a bag of chips for Denise. And then I've always get an extra bag that I just conveniently hide somewhere in the house. Because what happens is when my kids are home, 
you know, especially my son, he will have a tendency to reach into the chip bag, take them out, eat them, and leave the bag in the in the pantry. And then I'm going, okay, you know, I'm getting up to go in to grab a bag, and the, the bag is sitting there empty. Nothing is more frustrating than that. Can anybody relate to me that you have that going on? Yeah. And so... So here's the thing. So I get the chips, and then I wander over to the aisle where the deodorant and all that is, and I'm picking up things and, and, and getting what I needed. And then I happen to look and realize that I have totally lost perspective because there's so many options, and I've wasted so much time standing around you know, just doing my thing in the market. And I'm thinking, what is happening? It's easy to lose perspective and get distracted, especially when what we imagine the picture would be versus the reality of what it really is. I sent Pete a slide. I want you to take a look at it if we've got it. Uh, I sent him a slide separate from the, the PowerPoint. And we may have, there you go. How many of you have seen this on Facebook somewhere? Recently, I saw this picture uh, on Facebook, and I thought about this. I thought about, you know, that the idea was, what do you see? Well, the first thing that I saw was a pair of lips. I don't know what you see, but, you know, but there's also trees in that picture, right? And there are also roots in that picture. And I was reading through it. I began to understand that depending on what you saw first speaks a lot about your personality. Apparently, a lot of these types of images... We have fun, right? Looking at them, thinking about them. What does that mean? What does it say about me as a person? You know, but that's really where it comes down to. We often laugh and are intrigued by images, but it serves to illustrate a point. Perspective, right, is everything. What you see is everything. And how many times have we allowed our perspective to dictate our future? A few years ago, I decided that I was gonna run a 10K. Now, I run quite a bit because I like to eat, so therefore I run, you know? And so I'm, I, I run quite a bit. And so we decided that we were gonna run a 10K, Denise and I. And so here's the thing that I realized. I could envision the end of the race, but to get from point A to the end of the race, it was really easy for me to lose perspective because when you think about a mile, that's doable, right? But when you think about a 10K, which is 6.1 or something, two miles, then it's a really different type of distance. And so I didn't start out running that 10K by going, one day I'm just going to walk out and I'm just going to run six miles. I started out by going, I'm going to run a mile, and now I'm going to run two miles, and I'm going to run three miles. And so I started out building it up because I realized that what? I had to take time and training to get to the end of the goal. You see, folks, if I see this season with COVID as a new way of life, that it may be easy for me to become discouraged. I mean, think about it. You know, we've all heard people say that we'll never be the same again. And if I see this season that we've experienced with COVID, and I think in those terms that, well, we'll never be the same again, it's easy if we were honest with ourselves to get very discouraged. But if I see this season as an opportunity to offer hope to people who are searching for it, then it should make me look at this time differently. It's all about perspective. While we all have been discouraged at times and feeling the stress and the pressure, we have to remind ourselves that God is in control of our circumstance. If we take this time 
and his present challenges and we call on him, he will continue to guide our decisions. We can either look at where we've been as an opportunity to grow or we can get stuck believing that the past can forever define us. It is time that we did not allow. It's time that we did not allow our history to determine our destiny. And this is why I say that. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it to you. It says this, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. He was one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. When we think about the story of Moses, we're all familiar on some level with the story. Some details we understand more than others. You see, in that time, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, it's, Pharaoh gave this decree. He gave an order to his people, every Hebrew, Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. You see, Moses' story started out with certain death. His history, what, what his life would look like, would be limited because of a decree of Pharaoh at the time. But you see, I'm thankful that in man's eyes, Moses had no future, but God's perspective for Moses was quite different. If we look at the beginning of the story when Moses was born, the future didn't look very promising. Moses would have been put to death or at best a slave to Egypt. It wasn't a result of what Moses had done, but it would be part of the greatness of God that he allowed Moses to be born in this circumstance in order to accomplish the plan that God had laid out for his people. You see, the problem is not the circumstance. So often, the problem is our perspective. When we look at a circumstance or we face something that seems insurmountable or we're living in the day and the age in which we live, it's easy to look at our environment and look at our circumstance and look at that thing that is looming in front of us and think, God, are you there? Do you care? But at the end of the day, we have to know the problem is not the circumstance we face, right? The problem really is when we begin to understand that we've got to change our perspective. How do we do that? Know this. 
Number one, he, God, will protect you. Our focus so many times is so tangible. Think about that. Our focus, how we see things, is so tangible sometimes. We look at Instagram and we think about the pictures that people post. And let's be honest, that's not reality. We look at those pictures and they've been filtered and altered. And it's amazing to me how sometimes I'll look at photos on Instagram and I know the people posting and I go, they look nothing like that. <laughs> I mean, they have filtered those pictures to the point that that's not even reality. And we think about so many times how people, they post, right? Their families and they're all matching and they look just incredible. And I don't know about you, we weren't that odd as parents, but I'm thinking in most cases to get our kids to stand still five seconds to even get a picture, even now as grown adults, is really an unbelievable task. But yet we buy into the belief that what we see on social media is reality. And so our focus becomes so tangible. But I want to encourage you this morning that it takes a change of perspective. And Jesus has come to change your perspective. We often miss the big picture because we only see a piece of the puzzle. We miss the big picture because we only see a small portion, a small piece of reality. Now, one thing that I learned during COVID I learned that people really like putting together jigsaw puzzles. I don't know about you, but, but I never had any interest in a jigsaw puzzle until COVID came, and now somehow there's been this resurgence, right, of people putting together puzzles, especially if you have little kids. And so I think about this. So I think about when we, when we are getting a puzzle, and many of you may have done that during COVID, you thought about getting a jigsaw puzzle, and so you go to the store, right, and you walk into Target, and you pick out a puzzle, and you've got a beautiful picture on the outside of the box of what the puzzle should be. But if I stepped into your living room or your family room, and I took that box and took the picture away and gave you the picture of a different puzzle, how frustrating it would be for you to set and put together that puzzle. Let's be honest, it would be really difficult. And you would probably be really upset if the creator of the puzzle gave you different pieces than the picture, you would be really upset. And I think sometimes we've gotta begin to understand that what God has given us an identity both as an individual and as a church, and when we begin to say, God, we realize that your intention is to put together a puzzle or a picture that you, the creator, created, that we can be excited about knowing that what? This is a season that the church can rise up and say, God, whatever it takes, we're going to be a reflection of Jesus to people that we come in contact with. God, help us in this. If the story of Moses had ended with the baby in the basket, think about it for a minute. There would be no Red Sea. There would be no burning bush. There would be no Ten Commandments. There'd be no Finding Nemo. Let's just be honest. I mean, think about that for a minute. So I ask you, where are you right now and what, and what do you see with your eyes? It may not be the picture of what the creator of the puzzle sees, but you can trust him that your current challenge doesn't have to define your future. God, help us. Number two, he will position you. In Exodus chapter three, verse one through four, 
we begin to understand the story of Moses and where God took him. And I understand this, that position is more about the journey than it is about the destination. It's funny sometimes about driving. I have been accused, believe it or not, of being a very distracted driver. I just have to be honest, I've been accused of that. You know, I find, I'm, I'm the guy that finds himself sometimes when I'm just driving along, minding my business, doing my thing. I'm, you know, just, I'm listening to worship music and Denise is in the car and, and you know, and she might be scrolling Instagram or whatever. And, you know, we're just, do, go, you know, going someplace or whatever. And then I may change lanes. I'm just being very vulnerable. I may change lanes. I may do something without a signal. Just being, being honest. Don't judge me. And, and I may do that. And somehow somebody lays on the horn. You know, and I'm going, what? Like what? You know, I'm, I'm the guy going, what are, they, what are they blowing the horn for? And I just look over at my wife and she's giving me that look. You know, like I will forgive you, but you're wrong <laughs> in, in what you did. Or, or I'm the guy that goes, you know, I'm going to put an address in the nav because I'm heading somewhere perhaps I haven't been. And I put the address in the nav, and then I'm the guy that constantly argues with the nav. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to make a difference somehow in, in direction. But what I've understood is this. You know, if I listen, I will get to where I'm headed. But I have understood that sometimes it's not always about the destination, but it's about the journey along the way. We pick up the story of Moses many years later. Moses went from the river, think about it, to the palace, to the far side of the desert, and he finds himself in front of a burning bush. Now think about that for a minute. You know, you're standing in front of a bush that is burning and this voice speaks to you. I mean, if that's not miracle enough, you know, anything else that happens after the story to me is just like extra because I'm going, if I'm standing in front of a bush and it's burning and there's a voice coming out of the bush, that should be miracle enough. But we miss the miracle so many times in the mundane, don't we? We always want to see some miraculous sign. We always want to see in our life a bush that doesn't burn up. But sometimes it's in the daily routine of life that God shows up. Moses was out tending the flock. I imagine at that point in the story that he was hurt, he was wounded, he was rejected, he was in insecure perhaps, but he responds yes when God calls his name. You never know, folks, this morning when God is going to speak to you in the routine of life. Maybe you're brushing your teeth and God speaks. Maybe you're on your way to work or to virtual school and God speaks. Maybe you're at the market and God speaks. Maybe you're at practice and God speaks. Or maybe you're at Chick-fil-A and we all know that God speaks at Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> he speaks. He will speak to you. He will speak to me. But I've got to be willing to listen. I've got to have my ear tuned to the voice of my father. I'll never forget when Ryder was just a little guy. And I got the Father of the Year award. Because what happened was we're standing in a store and Ryder is being Ryder. You know, he's full of life. He's full of energy. He reminds me of your sons <laughs> and uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And I remember I'm standing there at the register and I did, you know, he's just bouncing off the wall. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. 
and I'm standing there, and you know, I don't want to be the dad that yells and screams at my kids at the store. And, and so I'm standing there, so I just reached over behind Ryder's head, and I just yanked his hair just a little bit, like a little tug, just to go, okay, you better listen. And I'm thinking that nobody sees it. And all of a sudden, I hear Ryder start screaming at that point. Why did you pull my hair? You know? And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, now I'm the dad of the year. I mean, you know. And so, but I reached down in his ear and I whispered, you better behave and stand still. Now, all it took was for me to whisper in Ryder's ear, you better behave and stand still. Because why? He recognized my voice. Now, did he feel my wrath? Yes, but he recognized my voice. Sometimes I want to ask you, how do you know him? How do you really recognize the voice of the creator in your life? How did Moses recognize the voice in the bush? I think it's interesting that the more that we read his word, if there's a day that the church needs to get off social media and start reading his word and taking his word into their heart and being able to use a tool that is available to bring life and not death, the stronger we would be as a church. If we begin to pray as you've been doing and serve and fast and say, God, help us be a church and a community that can be a light in an otherwise challenging place. If we begin to change our perspective and begin to understand that, yes, there are challenges that are real all around us, but we know that God is greater than the circumstance that we face. And we begin to understand that what? God has created us for this moment in time so that we don't sing the voice of doom and gloom to everybody around us, but we begin to communicate the truth that God loves us and he loves you and he cares about us and this is an opportunity for him to perform a miracle. When we begin to have that kind of attitude with those around us, what? The church will truly be a reflection of Jesus to those that we come in contact with. How do we accomplish the mission of Calvary? We've got to what? Love God is your mission. Love people. Change the world, right? You've got to love God first and foremost above everything else. May we all love the one that created us. May we love one another because when we begin to link arms together, the church can do far greater together than what it can do apart. And when we begin to to change the world and look at our community and say, God, what can we do? How can we reach out? I believe this, it'll be a day when the church has never been stronger. The third thing is this, he will prepare you. He will prepare you. In verse five, God spoke to Moses, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. There is something, folks, about realizing this morning that God is holy. We've got to begin to realize that he is holy I believe the act of taking off his shoes was a symbol of humbling himself and realizing that it's not all about us. In a culture where our desires trump everything around us, God is asking us to humble ourselves, to remember that he is the one that breathes life into our lungs, that he is the provider. He is the one that keeps us safe and gives us an identity. You know, I'll I'll be honest, I don't live in fear of a virus because I know this, I know that God is the one that gives breath in my lungs. 
Now, am I, am I sensitive to those around me? Absolutely. But do I live in fear saying, you know what? I would rather, rather live sheltered than live free. I'm not willing to do that because I believe this. I know that God's word tells me that he numbers our days that he knows everything about who we are and that he wants us to call on him. He wants us to live in peace and harmony with those around us, but I know that my life is not mandated by a mask or a vaccine. I'm just telling you, my life is mandated because God gives me breath. He allows me to breathe. God gave Moses special instructions. He sent a sign. He gave him a word to say, and he told Moses to assemble the elders. God was preparing Moses even when he didn't see it in himself. If God saw promise in Moses, an orphan, a murderer, a loner who stuttered, how could he not possibly see the promise in you? You see, every one of you in this room, me included, we are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God. Perhaps this morning your life seems a little out of focus. Perhaps it seems that you're alone. Perhaps you don't feel like you have the ability or the talent to accomplish the goal. Perhaps it seems that the pieces of the puzzle, they don't really fit together. Perhaps life is not what you imagined. I'm challenging you this morning to see things in a new light. To remember that often it's a matter of perspective, not just your situation. I'm reminded this morning, and I want to encourage you today that Jesus came to die on a cross for you and for me. That Jesus came to this planet, that God sent his son. He gave up the most valuable person to come in human form and to lay down his life to go against the culture, to be a voice of a truth in an otherwise religious or dark place. He shed his blood. He took on all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our poor poor choices so that we could live, so that we could live in 2020. And I believe this, God knew who needed to be alive and active in 2020. He knew that you and I needed to be created at this point in time so that what? We could begin to speak truth in a dark place. And I believe this morning that God is calling every one of us. He's calling you and he's calling me. My prayer this morning for this service would be this, that if you've come today with burdens and needs, and if you're here joining us online and you have, you're experiencing challenges and depression, if you're wondering, God, how can you use me and why do things look the way that they do? I want to encourage you this morning that God knows every situation and every circumstance. And if he knew Moses's plan from that moment of creation, then he knows the plan that he has for you and me. And when we embrace that as men and women and students alike, we can begin to live in this season 
and victory, not defeat. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over the room, if you will, with me. And I want to say a prayer this morning. And then the worship band is going to lead us. I'd ask you this, when he calls, will you listen? When he calls your name, will he listen? For some of you, he is calling you to step up. For some of you, he is calling you to change the dialogue. For some of you, he is calling you to offer words of hope and be a reflection of him to the people that you come in contact with. And I don't know about you, but if I can begin to get that in my spirit and I can begin to say, God, help me be a voice of encouragement and help me realize, God, that you are in charge of my future, my family begin to understand what that God is leading us and directing us and that Calvary's best days are ahead. That when we can live every day and say, you know what, it's not what we did in the past, but it's what we're looking to for the future. You know, Pastor Benny said it right. I've been in this thing for a long time, but I can tell you this. I get up every day and I go, you know what? I know God, you have greater things for me in the future than I've ever experienced in the past. And when I begin to get that in my spirit and I begin to lead in that way, you know what? The circumstances change around me and I begin to understand that where I walk is holy ground this morning. And so if you're not serving Jesus, it's this simple. It's saying, God, forgive me. Come into my heart. Help me have relationship with you. When you pray that, he does it. And things are different. I want to encourage you as I pray this morning. If that's you and you pray it with me, then after service, I want you to talk to Pastor Benny, talk to Pastor Kelly, talk to the leaders here. Let them know that you've started this journey and relationship with him. And you know what? They'll be there to champion you and to encourage you. And I want to ask you today, when you leave today, specifically today, find somebody in your life, in your world, and be a voice of encouragement to them. And when we begin to do that, we change things. We change the dialogue. We change the atmosphere. And you know what? God can do the greatest thing he's ever done. So I want us to pray in this way. Lord, today, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, God, that you are in charge of our future. I thank you, Lord, today that we are created in your image, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I thank you today, God, that even though this is not what we imagined. God, I'm thankful that it's about our perspective and not just the problem. And so, Lord, we ask that in the lives of the individuals in this room, that they may be saying today, God, this problem is greater than I even know what to do with. Lord, I ask you that we would begin to see a new and a fresh perspective, that we would realize what, that Lord, just as you created Moses in a basket with a future that meant death, that God, you can turn it around and can use him, that Lord, you can do the same for every one of us because what, God, your word is true. And if there are those in this building this morning that are not in right relationship with you, that today, God, they can leave knowing what, that their relationship can be right by calling on your name, by asking for forgiveness, by making things right and walking in your anointing. Lord, I thank you today for a church that'll stand up and be counted. And so God, we commit all of these things to you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said today, amen. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.